So as we're in the book of 1 Corinthians, and we're in chapter 13, last week we talked about gifts and the spiritual gifts. And what were the spiritual gifts given for? Can anybody answer that question this morning? Like I tell Wednesday night class, I quit. If you can't tell me, I quit. It's to build up the body of Christ. The spiritual gifts are something that we have to use, something that God gives us in order to help one another be better believers, to help one another to actually live a life that is pleasing unto God. None of the gifts are for you and you alone. And we talked a little bit about gift exaltation last week is when we see a certain gift, we all flock to that gift, if it's, especially if it's a gift that we like. And so what you'll see on the landscape of America, and probably not only in America, it's not just America problem, but you'll see churches that are focused on certain points of the gifts. You'll have churches that are really high on prophetic. And their whole ministry, every Sunday there's a prophetic word given. Other churches are given to the gift of tongues, and that's what they do. They, they kind of huddle around, and the, the whole denominations have been built upon speaking in tongues. And other gifts. I often laugh at myself, what would it be if we all sought the gift of hospitality? Which is a spiritual gift in First Peter. What would our church look like then? It would look pretty unique. Okay? But that's not what we want to do with the gifts. We want to use God's gifts in order to build up the body. And that's why I think chapter 13 is in this book. It's really a right in between two hot topics. The spiritual gifts, how to use them in the midst of a congregation and in the sanctuary and in a meeting place. And then all of a sudden, right in the middle, you got the book of love. So often the book of love is talked about outside of the context of what it was really meant for. And it's right when preachers and others, they talk about love and they say love is patient, love is kind, and they go through what love is not. I get that. Those are great scriptures to just pull out there. But they have a reason. Within the context of scripture, they're put here for a purpose. And as I was praying this week and thinking about our body here at Cornerstone, is that I know that we don't always, at least in a communal setting, always practice all the gifts. I would like us to. And we'll talk about that next week, so just hold on. But I can see if God chooses to pour out upon us All the gifts that we're seeing, which are 27, 28, depends who you're looking at and what they say. If He decided to pour out all the gifts on us and we were functioning in all the gifts, we would be a powerful church, but there would be a temptation to walk in pride and arrogance. When if we look at it, and I'm kind of being preachy right now, we'll get in the Scripture is that we can't be arrogant. We can't be prideful in what the gift God has given us. And we see that in Corinthians, they were one of the richest churches, if not the richest church, but they were messed up. And God said it through His Word and through Paul that they had all the spiritual gifts. But Paul goes on to talk to them 
in verse 31 of chapter 12, and we'll start there and we'll go through um, verse 3 of chapter 13. It says this, But desire the greater gifts. Desire the greater gifts. And I will show you an even better way. If I speak uh, human or angelic tongues, but do not have love, I am a noising gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if all faith so that I can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. I don't know about you, but I'd love to know all mysteries. I would love to move mountains through my faith. But Paul is saying, if I do not have love, I am nothing. And then he goes on in verse 3, If I give away all my possessions, and if I give over my body in order to boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Let's think of this in a word picture just for a moment. Or not a word picture, but just a scene. You're going down, I think it's Wisconsin Avenue in Nina. I think I always get confused, but it's going by Riverside Park. You see all these beautiful houses. And they're really mansions in my opinion. At least from my humble means. And I often go by those homes and I'm like, these are the coolest homes ever. And then my wife kind of taps me and says, look, are you going to clean all those rooms? And I'm like, no, okay, let's just get a smaller house, let's get a cottage, and we'll keep it straight. Which is hard to do with four lovely kids, no matter how big, small. But you look at these houses and you're amazed and they're beautiful, so at least I can gawk from them. Not in um, greed, I'm just gawking at how beautiful they are. Could you imagine, and we see this in life, that those houses are awesome, huge, having many rooms, and whoever owns them probably has a lot of money. And they probably, some of the houses have kids. I've seen kids. Can you imagine a parent or a homeowner that owns a big house, has all this room, and lacks something of a key ingredient in these homes? Those big homes come to nothing. And what is that key ingredient? It's love. We've seen it before, and Jesus kind of challenges us in a lot of ways when He says, for what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world and yet lose his life? I'm kind of pulling out something in a point right here. Is it's true, without love, all those things are empty. You gain nothing without love. And if it's playing out right in front of us, all the way from the top to the actors in Hollywood that have everything, all the money, and their families are in chaos. And I'm not saying they lack love, but there's something lacking. And that's what Paul is telling the Corinthians, look, you have been given all these gifts, but if you lack love, they mean nothing. And he's reminding them of what this is. 
You see, it's like a gong or a clanging cymbal that we can sit back and we could be the most powerful body in the valley and miss the mark. And I think in my personal life, what I have seen in running in different circles within Christendom, that there are some people that have walked in the gifts while they're in a community like this and in a church setting, and then they leave the church setting and you would think the devil had entered them. So when they go out into the world, they're lacking something that is very important. And Paul is saying you can have all the gifts, but if you lack that, you gain nothing. And so we must look at what love and the true character of love is. And I want you to know this, and I want you to kind of change your mindset for the moment, of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is not a love letter. This is an exhortation. Paul is not trying to make a love letter here. He is encouraging the people to remember what this is all about. So let's read on to um, verses 4 through 7. Love is patient, love is kind. Love does not envy, is not boastful, and is not arrogant is not rude, is not self-seeking, is not irritable. Some of you are thinking, whoa. And does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, and hopes all things, endures all things. So let's kind of break this down just real quick. Is what love is. There's two times this is what love is, and it's patience and kindness. How is your patience? How is your kindness? Have you thought about that lately? And then it goes on to say the character is love does not envy. Love is not jealous. And why is this so important when we're talking about spiritual gifts? We are not to be jealous of one another. And I'm going to bring out some scriptures. If you have a gift, you are walking in it, and it is better than my gift. You know what I should be doing? Is I should be rejoicing and saying thank you for using your gift to build up the body at Cornerstone. There's no reason for jealousy within the body. Because these gifts, if it's like our salvation, we didn't do anything to earn them. You did nothing to earn the gift that God chooses to give you. So why should you be jealous when God chooses to give your brother or sister a great gift? Now, we are to provoke one another to good works, so I don't want to say... Hey, if you are like seeing somebody doing some great works within the body and you're like, man, I'm getting jealous because they're outdoing me. I don't know if that's a bad jealousy or a good jealousy. But we are to provoke one another to greater works. 
Love is not boastful. The gifts that God has given us, we are not to be boastful. We are not to be arrogant. They are gifts from God. And love is not rude. And the word for rude here is unseemingly. And how often have we treated others very rudely? How often have we not been building up one another? Instead, we want to tear one another down. See, that is the natural state of a sinful man, and even within the church, is not to always build up but to tear down. But that's not what love is. Love is not self-seeking. It's not looking out for its own interest. And it's not irritable. irritable. And it keeps no records of wrong. Literally, as I was reading from Warren Wearsby this week, he was talking about a man who would walk around And everybody that wronged him, he would write it down. That's not love. But if we're truthful this morning, how often have we, when we have been wronged, have really not written it down, so to speak, on a piece of paper, but we have filed it away in our heart or in our mind, and we are keeping the record of the wrong. That's not love. And I want to encourage you this morning as I try to walk out in my own personal life. If I can't get across, if I can't get past somebody that I feel has wronged me, I will go to them and talk to them about it. So if you have been hurt by an individual and you can't get past it, I encourage you sometimes the most loving thing to do is go and talk it out so that you won't keep wrong. If you keep it in, you're not doing the most loving thing. Let's go to the uh, book of Romans real quick. Chapter 12, verses 9 through 16. And if I hit it right this morning, I, I pray that I do. I pray that you'd be blessed and encouraged. I'm just going to kind of cover things before we get into the verse 9 through 16. It says this in verse 3. For by grace given to me, I tell everyone among you, do not think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly, as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. We are not to think more highly of ourselves in remembering that God has given us the gift and the faith to build up the body. Now last week I introduced, I think, eight or nine gifts to you. This week I'm going to say a couple more. Service. So there's the gift of service. And if you have that gift, serve and serve well. Make us all jealous because of that one. If in teaching, then teach. If in exhortation, then exhort one another. If giving, give generously. 
Some of you are like saying, well, I'm off scot-free. I don't have the gift of giving. No, we all practice some of these gifts in some way or another. I'm joking there. But if you have the gift of giving, give with generosity. No strings attached. Leading is a gift and you do it with diligence. Showing mercy with cheerfulness. And trust me, if you have the gift of mercy, you're not always cheerful when God uses you to show someone mercy. It's not always easy. Let's read on. Let love be without hypocrisy. Detest evil, cling to what is good. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lack diligence and zeal. Be fervent in the Spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. Share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. And why do we bring out these Scriptures? Because we know, according to Scripture, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You see, why does Paul introduce chapter 13 in the middle of spiritual gifts? It's because he is encouraging the Corinthians not to be prideful in their gifts because they had gotten off balance. But we are to seek the gifts. And even Paul says, don't be, I don't want you to be unaware of the spiritual gifts. So it's reality. But I want to ask you this morning, and I ask myself the same question, are you a hypocrite? What do I mean by that? Let love be without hypocrisy. Detest evil, cling to what is good. You see, I have this thing that I struggle with. Is when I'm in front of you for about an hour and a half to two hours on Sunday, you get to see the good Jeremy. But when I get away from here, and get into my home, and I start, and I begin to live life, and stress comes, I live my life with my kids and my wife, and all of a sudden, I'm not being very consistent to what I believe, and to what I preach, and all of a sudden, I'm hit face to face, as in a mirror, that, Jeremy, what's going on here? Are you truly living what you believe? And I'll have to be honest with you, because tra- I try to be transparent, although I don't like to be transparent all the time, is that I see myself living and walking in hypocrisy. And it's always fun when your children call you out on it. And if I'm good, and having a good day, I receive it. If not, I'm saying, then I can be a little bit different, but my point is, is we need to live consistent lives. If we are truly living consistent lives, then when we get together with the body, we have nothing to hide behind. 
No mask. We get to take our mask off, and we are who we are. And this is where I want to talk about the gospel with you, just briefly. Is all of us are inconsistent, if we're going to be really honest. So when I see my life becoming inconsistent with what I'm preaching, and my actions at home, I will go to my family, and I will say sorry. I will ask for their forgiveness, but I also will go to the cross And I'll ask Jesus to forgive me for my actions. Because I realize that at that moment, that I am not living consistent to the truth that I know to be true. This is where the gospel comes in. And we have to remind ourselves of the gospel. That Jesus died for our sins. That He has come to pay a price and that I can get back up and I can keep walking in His hope and His joy and in His love. So although we can be inconsistent, when we speak the Gospel, we know the Gospel, we believe the Gospel, we can get back up and start all over again. But listen to verse 10 real quick. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Outdo one another in showing honor. Could you imagine what it would be like in a body of Christ when we're not looking out for our own self-interest, but we're looking out for each other and we're uh, casting honor upon honor upon others? It's taking the attention and the focus off ourselves. And honoring each other. Because the truth is, you were made in the image of God. And God has given you a gift. And I will honor you in that gift. God has a destiny and a purpose for your life to bless this body. For as long as you're with us. And it's just funny some of the scriptures early on in in my Christian walk that I see, and that was one of those scriptures, outdo one another in honor. I've walked in rooms, denominational rooms, and it just reeked of pride. All of a sudden, everybody would start bowing their chest, and you'd be like, whoa, wait a minute. I don't want any part if this is the body of Christ. But it's not the body of Christ. The true body is honoring one another. It's not seeking the self-interest. It's not irritable. It doesn't keep records of wrong. And it does find no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. This is important for us to remember when we're walking in the gifts. Point number three is love will last forever, but gifts will not. So let's read on through the rest of the chapter 13. Love never ends, but as for prophecies, they will come to an end. 
As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will come to an end. So I want to just speak to this just for a moment. This does not mean that in our time that prophecies will end. This does not mean in our times that tongues will cease. That is not what this scripture is saying. But it is saying that it will come to an end. But love never does. So whether you have the gift to move mountains, or you know all mystery and you have all knowledge, if you don't have love, you gain nothing. But verse 9 says this, For we know in part and we prophesy in part. And the truth is, and I like what the Amplified reads, it says, we have fragmented thinking. Our knowledge is incomplete. We don't know everything that there is to need, that we need to know. And that's okay. And so the truth is, That if you have all knowledge, you have all discernment, you'll never make a mistake. I would like to ask, well, why are you here? Because I would assume that you'd be like Enoch and God would just have taken you away. But the truth is, it's not. So where do we come across in pride? Where do we come across that we have the all-knowing and we know everything? It's not part of who we are as the body of Christ. And so we have to remember that, that although we want to walk in the gifts, although we want to practice the gifts, we will not always get it right. But I want you to know, I still want you to practice the gift that God has given you. Even if you mess up. There was a rule in our discipleship program through YWAM that, hey, we would rather you practice your gifts and fail miserably than not practice your gift at all. Because how do you become better at your gift? You practice your gift. So if you make a blunder here, It's okay. It's okay. I might call you out from here, but it's okay. I'm joking. I will not call anybody out from the pulpit unless it is totally... um, Just I won't do it. All right, let's move on. 1 John 3, 2. This is how we know. Dear friends, we are God's children... And what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when He appears, we will be like Him because we will see Him. And that is what Paul is saying right here is that although right now we live and these things will cease, but when the perfect comes, the partial will come to an end. And then he goes on in verse 11 of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put aside childish things. He is showing us something here that there is a difference 
that is going to be made within the life of a believer. And I can't wait until I see Jesus face to face and I will be like Him. But right now, you have to deal with the imperfect, gospel-loving Pastor Jeremy. For now we see only in a reflection, as in a mirror, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but, when, but then I will know fully as I am fully known. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And I want to point out a little bit of immaturity within the body of Christ. If you would just indulge with me just for a few minutes, I promise we don't have much longer to go. But we have to be mature believers. And you want to know a true sign of immature believers? Is divisions and factions within the body. And it says why the book, part of why the book of 1 Corinthians was written, we have it in verse 1, uh, or chapter 1, verses 10 through 11. It says this. It's coming, I think. Fire him. See, I will call you out if you're not using your gift to the best of your ability. <laughs> Now I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree in what you say. Let there, that there be no division, divisions among you, and that you be united with the same understanding and the same conviction. You see, Paul is saying, before we read on, Paul is saying that you've got to be of the same mind. You have to be of the same heart. If not, you are a divided, a fragmented body. Now that doesn't mean that I expect you to believe everything that I believe. Because there are going to be some differences. But we must come to that bond of peace and unity and to watch for divisions. And it goes on to say in verse 11... For it has been reported to me about you, my brothers and sisters, by members of Chloe's people, that there are rivalry among you. What is that rivalry? I am of Apollos. I am of Cephas or Peter. I am of Jesus. Come on, folks. Really? And then go to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Because you are still worldly, for since there is envy and strife among you, are you not worldly and behaving like mere humans? And then verse 4 goes on to say, For whenever someone says, I belong to Paul, and another, I belong to Apollos, are you not acting like mere humans? Listen, no matter what God gives you as a gift, we come under one banner, and that is banner Jesus Christ. You see, he talked last week about gift exaltation and we want to go to where the greatest gift, we feel the greatest gift is and we follow that individual. And I'm just not always convinced that that's the most healthiest thing to do. Although I do like certain people and I listen to certain people. 
You see, there's a roadmap to the gifts God has given us. Love is the mark for each of us. That is the goal to attain to. Not to be able to be the most powerful church, but a humble, loving, and obedient church. That's what it's all about. Humility, obedience, and loving. And then it goes on in uh, chapter 14, verse 1, and I'll end here. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, and especially that you may prophesy. And that will go into next week. But Paul is not saying don't desire the spiritual gifts. But he's saying pursue love the more excellent way. So I want to encourage you this morning, as a church at Cornerstone, we want to be people of the gifts. We want to be people that are desiring and hungering for the gifts, but we can never forget the main purpose, and that is love. So as Pastor Mike and Melissa come to lead us in to worship this morning, I want to kind of give you a couple practical steps to live by because then it doesn't really help all the time if we're just preaching at you. First is be consistent in your walk. Let others know the true you. And how do I challenge myself as a pastor? Is that we have elders of this church that I love, that I allow them and others to see the true me. You should pray for your elders. What am I saying? Is that we need to be in relationship with others that know the true us. And when we are in relationship with others, it allows us to be more consistent in our life. Allows us to be loving and in love relationship with others. And in whatever gift is God has given you, be loving in everything that you do. Third, and it goes back to last week, do you want the spiritual gift just to have the spiritual gift or do you truly love us? Don't forget that statement. And then fourth is build up the church because that is the true ultimate act of love. We're here for one another. We're not here to build up ourselves, but we are here to build up the body. And so as you go this week and as we worship together, let's have the same mind that was in Christ, Jesus. That He gave Himself up. He didn't come to be served, but to serve. And to give His life as a ransom for many. Are you willing to do the same for others? If not, I have the question, why not? Because that is the ultimate act of love. Let's worship together this morning.